Hi, I'm Blake Calhoun, the creator of the web series Pink and the sci-fi web series Continuum, and you're listening to Genretainment Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment over at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie, Genretainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Now, for this 95th episode... <laughs> we are speaking with filmmaker and actress Britton Valenti. She is the showrunner of the sci-fi series Interrogation, a dystopian science fiction series set in the year 2098. The series stands out partially because it stars women and has cast members who are disabled actors portraying disabled characters. She shares with us how this series went from concept to a completed season one. She also talks about funny stories from set, gives advice for web series creators, and much more. Now, before we get started with the interview, we should point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality on Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend Tishan Hardy. You can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now, let's get started with our interview with web series creator Britton Valenti. Bitch, please! I thought you was a baller! All right, all right, all right. I thought you was a baller, that you couldn't get much taller, that you were the king like Lala, now you're sitting here in squalor, lower than the Euro dollar, 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 baller. Yeah, baller. Well, hi, Britton. Uh, welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. Now, you're the showrunner, writer, and, and uh, star of the sci-fi web series Interrogation. Um, yep. Or you have called the series, like, 1984 meets V for Vendetta. Woohoo! Both very good things, by the way. Yeah, and uh, a socially conscious with... Most of the lead characters being women. Woohoo again. And disabled actors playing disabled characters. Woohoo. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about the show, what it's about, and why you decide to take the strong focus on being socially conscious? Um, I'll take the socially conscious question. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, we're on the internet. We all we probably read a lot of the same articles that are all lamenting the lack of diversity on film and even, you know, women which, you know, 50% of the population. And the reasons that Hollywood gives you for there not being a lot of diversity are really bullshitty, (laughs) is the best way. It's the best way I can put it, because there's really no reason. Like, look around outside. There are all different people, all different races, all different sexes, just walking around, no shame, going to jobs with you, working alongside you, with you at the restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's just... It seems like it takes more effort to not cast people like women, like African-Americans, like Spanish people. Just it takes more effort not to do that when there are so many great actors. And so that was really sort of the inspiration for the series was, A, I love sci-fi. I was raised on sci-fi and action. But also just to show that it's not difficult. It's not strange. It doesn't need to be, you don't need to have reasons for there being a large diversity on screen. You know, you don't have to make excuses for it. You can just write it naturally. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you think about it. Because, you know, it seems to be the default is straight white male. And then they have to, they feel like they have to give some sort of explanation. Well, this character is here and is black, but that's because they did it. And it's just kind of like, really? I mean, they have, you have Hispanic actors playing non-Hispanic characters, having to act quote unquote white. And then you Mm -hmm. have gay actors having to play straight. And it was like, so why is, yeah, why is that really always the default? Or you have gay characters 
who are just portrayed badly and not interesting characters. Yeah. Or you have disabled characters whose their their core purpose in life, their core defining attribute is that they use a wheelchair. <laughs> and really you it's know. just like they're a human being like everyone else. They just move around differently. <laughs> you know? That's right. It's more it's like it's it would it's the equivalent of defining a character based on the fact that they use a car. It's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle that this character uses. And it can give them added frustrations. It can help define who they are. The reason they're in a wheelchair, if there is a reason, can be a story. But it's not the reason they get up every morning is not, eh, wheelchair time. I like uh, so. So Interrogation, a uh, sci-fi web series, is about, it's a pretty pretty standard sci-fi story. There's a totalitarian government that's ru- ruling and ruining the lives of everyday citizens. But there is a rebellion brewing. And this rebellion is gaining and gaining more momentum. And the series focuses on this one subset group that specializes in interrogation. So what they do is they're the team that you call when you need to break into a government building, grab somebody, and then tie them into a chair and get essential information. That's good. And, you know, that is interesting, though, because you think in a totalitarian government, totalitarian governments don't tend to think too highly of most minorities and disabled citizens. So (laughs) it makes sense. They would be very integral in uh, in the rebellion. They are, but I think we... I think I went at it from a different perspective because when you typically see future stories, corrupt governments, all this, mm-hmm. there's a real sort of witch hunt to kill, kill everyone who isn't physically perfect or who is different. And you see that a lot in V for Vendetta. Yeah. But I think also totalitarian governments, like if you look at, if you look how when Russia was a real, you know, balls to the wall communist state. USSR, yeah. USSR, thank you. When the USSR was a real... I hear they're making a comeback. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I know. It's, it's really funny. Part two. <laughs> I don't... Let's try it again. Yeah, I'm it gonna. worked out so well the first time. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, um... So the US, uh, when the USSR was really balls to the wall of communism, there was a big push to have everyone working. Like... If you could work, they wanted you out there working. And so what I think is honestly going to be a more reasonable view of the future is that let's say that all of the ecological factors um, compound. So you're going to have more people born with just natural disabilities. You know, some people born with strange hands, some people born with some mental, um, not defects, but some mental differences it would be a real waste of a workforce to just get rid of those people when you could just adapt some workplaces or some time schedules or some environments to just use what they are good at. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're in the future and there's a war going on, which there is, you're going to have a lot more people who have, who come back from war with, you know, limbs blown off. Mm -hmm. And again, why get rid of these highly trained soldiers? Why get rid of these, war-minded personnel when you can retrain them or you know get them into another job that's what we tried to do with the series because when you watch the series you'll see the government has people who are disabled working for them we also have people who are disabled working for the rebellion side 
And it's just this idea that no matter what, you're going to have a job. You're probably not going to like the job you have. Maybe it's not going to be a great job. Well, hey, but that's there's America. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. No one's going to be at home just sitting there. You're going to have to work in the society in some capacity. Yeah. I think that's an interesting take. <clears throat> and as technology improves, physical disabilities are really not as big of a deal anymore. And so. really, we're finding yeah. what we consider mental disabilities are, are less disabling and, and limiting than they once were. Yeah. I mean, there's there's now they've created a font that helps with dyslexia for crying out loud. You know, I mean, <laughs> not to not to and diminish some, challenges, but I'm just saying that you know it's certainly better than it was 50 years ago. Yeah, right. and some mental differences are a gift. Yeah, and some mental are a gift in one area, hindrance in another. Some problems, you know, can be rectified if you just make the room a little darker and make it a quiet environment. Yeah. People can, some people can work a lot more effectively. And in the future, I think if your interest is really as a totalitarian government to get everybody doing something, they'll make those changes with a lot less problem. There won't be, it won't be this big rigmarole. They'll just do it and put all the people who want to work in the dark. <laughs> Who want to work in isolation chambers? Bam. Go work in them. Just go work. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your background, how you got involved in filmmaking, and what led you to uh, to interrogation. Um, I'm a writer. Uh, I've been writing since I was about 15. I got my start basically as a self-taught playwright, and then I got into Carnegie Mellon to get a master's in dramatic writing, which is a dual master's degree in playwriting, screenwriting, and TV writing. Mm -hmm. And immediately after I got that, I was faced with, I think, everyone's decision. Well, do you go to New York or do you go to Los Angeles? And if you go to New York, you're going to do theater. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're probably not going to make any money. And it's going to be freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> And food's going to be expensive. And when I saw that, I was like, I, I basically walked into a New York grocery store and was like, mm-mm, no. oh no, if I'm, if I'm going to be a starving artist. Why starve where least, you can freeze to death? That's right. If I'm going to be a starving artist, at least it's going to be warm. <laughs> so, and the good thing is, if you want to pursue screenwriting, first of all, if you want to pursue playwriting and theater, Go do that. Definitely. If that's the only thing that feeds you, don't let anyone make you feel bad about it. But if you want to do screenwriting, you can honestly work screenwriting odd jobs in L.A. and in theory get paid for it. Or you can write a screenplay that will sell somewhere as opposed to you can write a play and it will probably sell nowhere even if someone puts it on. Boy, harsh realities. <laughs> <laughs> And if you don't want to be an artist, go do that. Yeah. <laughs> no shame in not being an artist. I read somewhere that uh, that the group you act with, do films with, did interrogation with, that uh, you guys used to shoot like a, a movie every six weeks or something like that until, oh, good until you guys decided to do a web series. I'm just kind of curious to learn a little bit more about that group, how you guys got together and, and how that was working. Okay. The second person that I met in Los Angeles the second day I was here was the actress who plays Lana. So Mallory K. Nelson, who are one-legged actress. And through her, I found a small corner of the disabled actor community in, in Los Angeles. And they all know each other. And it's a pretty small community. Not small, but tight-knit. Mm -hmm. 
And so once I saw through them the range of talent that was available, it was almost like stumbling on a gold mine because it was like, oh my gosh, look at these great actors with these interesting, interesting bodies. Like who, who doesn't want to put that on screen? So I, I wanted to write a, a web series that embraced sci-fi, embraced diversity, and of course the disabled community is a big aspect of diversity that you don't really see a lot of. Okay. Once I found the actors, though, I was like, oh, well... Let's start writing roles for people. Chop chop. <laughs> That's great. And uh, and why web series versus like a more traditional story structure like film? Um, I think honestly, it's it's the money. Really, you can shoot a web series for so much less than you can shoot a film. You can shoot, and honestly, you can shoot a film for pretty cheap. But especially when you're doing sci-fi the the production values are always going to be a factor mm-hmm. and with a web series the stories could be small enough that we could put them in a small room and it didn't look weird like if you're trying to tell this big sweeping epic like dune and you're in a bunch of, <laughs> and you're in a bunch of people's living rooms it's not going to work but you know we are we're stories about grabbing someone thrown to a chair and getting them to tell you essential information that's sort of a small tight claustrophobic story that's that really fits with a web series so how did the concept of it's the primary kind of structure of the story being these interrogations you know come about and was it originally going to be web series or when you started to create it you go well you know what this might work as a web series we created the first episode and the first episode is sort of the the black sheep because it's in two parts basically we i think it's how a lot of web series get started someone i wrote um i wrote a short film. Mm -hmm. Everyone liked their characters. Everyone wanted to play them some more. And we said, we we think there's enough fodder here for a web series. So, you know, wrote six more episodes. Darn it. I can't remember how many there are now. (laughs) There's seven episodes, season one. (laughs) Bam. I did the math. (laughs) So this is your first web series, I'm assuming. So what kind of challenges, perhaps unexpected challenges, that you faced going into this story structure versus maybe short films or films? Um, I never, I didn't have a problem with structure writing it. If you want to know some of the pitfalls of starting a web series and the stuff you really don't foresee, I will say we shot our, we shot the web series more like a TV show, which is that we have a different director every episode. Mm-hmm. And that can, logistics of trying to wrangle like 15 people, to shoot over the course of two months because we've made this entire web series in about less than in about a year like we filmed it november and then we were done by december wow of the next year and that is a really fast turnaround for when you watch the series of this scope and so logistics are always a problem if i was going to give advice to anyone who wants to start a web series it's never really over it just isn't. Like right now we're trying to get the cast and crew together because we want to film uh, shorts. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of the nature of the internet because if some, anyone wants to look up interrogation sci-fi web series, they'll look and they'll be like, oh, this has been up for a year. I wonder why they haven't done anything else. And it's almost if you're not constantly putting out a little bit more, a little bit more. It doesn't have to be a lot, but as long as you're, but if you're not constantly producing new content, I think people, maybe they tend to think of it as like a failure or it wasn't popular enough or you've lost interest in it. 
And so you really have to budget your time and budget your story to try to fit in more things because you really have to keep generating content. Yeah, that is a tough challenge yeah. versus doing a film because you come out with the film and, and you know nobody expects you to Follow come out other content before the sequel if you if you do a sequel, you know. Yeah. But they yeah. do feel like they, they need to be constantly out there for web series. Makes it I, I think people underestimate what all goes into making a web series, I think. But it, each episode's only five minutes long. It's like, well, yeah, but you don't film each episode and only film five minutes and then, no. you know, it, it's just, it's, you film it like you do a movie, basically. Yeah. And it can be, it can be as much, it can be an 18 hour day. Mm -hmm. It can be eight hour days. You can, <laughs> for episode three, there's a wheelchair chase scene. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, we rented a really big, powerful, as it says in the script, they fuck all wheelchair. <laughs> and, and it was an hour and a half late being delivered. Oh. So there goes an hour and a half of the day, just people sitting around waiting for this wheelchair to show up. <laughs> oh, man. And there's nothing you can do about no, it, really. No, there isn't. You just, oh, I was yeah. going to say you just have to roll with it. Sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we need to add some... <laughs> oh, wow. So we talked a little bit about how some of the characters, a lot of the characters are racially diverse, uh, female. Pretty sad when, when you're 50% of the population, you still have to be considered part of diversity, I but know, it's I true. Know, <laughs> so, Actually, we're 51% of the world's population. I know, right? No, oh, 49ers. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about those characters. Can you tell us who the lead characters are and the actors that play them? Yes. I play the lead, and I'm always a little ashamed to say that. <laughs> no. You know what? If you can't be the lead in something that you've created, then, you know. what? You said lead. You didn't go, I am the star. I am the star. I am no. the only one that matters. You now, could, then we I'll would have a second thoughts about You could that. have said, what? There are other actors? There are other actors? What? <laughs> no, I... I will say one of the things that keeps you humble is I'm I'm Italian. I cook for everybody all the time. I did crafty for every shoot. <gasps> I did it for most of ours too. It's it's great, but nothing keeps you humbler than like having your moment where you've got to act and really connect with the other performer and then they yell cut and you immediately run up and run to the crock pot <laughs> to check if did you, if your pulled pork is turning. Yeah, did like, you find <laughs> that for me I was more nervous about what people would think of my food than I was about anything in my performance. Like I, I didn't get nervous before doing a scene or anything, but I was a nervous wreck about what people would think of my food. Every damn day. Okay, thank Every God. Day. <laughs> I'm trying to I come couldn't... up with all kinds of interesting things, you know, because we oh, didn't yeah, have a lot of money. So I like had to make like lentils and, and, quinoa and rice and beans and stuff like really work <laughs> this this is what people should know about making a web series but i was on food stamps at the time mm -hmm. and so i would use my food stamps for the month to feed like 15 people and i would live on like 20 or 30 bucks worth of food oh they should feed you the rest of the month <laughs> No, no, it's fine because that's the thing. We every it's a web series. Everybody's working for free. Everybody's working out of the kindness of their heart and the desire to work. It was just 
I, I would tell them all the time, you guys are actors, and they're real actors. They're, they're not like me. It's like, you guys are real actors. You should not have to worry about what you're eating. You should not have to worry about location. You should not have to worry about dressing the set. You should just worry about your characters. And they did, and I think you can see that. Yeah. But let's get back. So um, <laughs> I play the lead. I play Brayson. You follow her arc, I think, the most over the series. She's a little, she's a little off-kilter, but... She's one of those leaders who maybe shouldn't be leader, but darn it, she's just so darn good at her job. Mm. No one else can replace her. Her talent is basically she's the lead interrogator, and she's the one who can always, no matter the situation, get the information that they need. And often that falls into by any means necessary, and she's not above the use of violence. Mm. Some of the other characters are Hallie Rapp plays Anders, who's um, sort of the more emotional center of the group she's also like our crack um breaking and entering person she can get into any government facility overcome any uh security system we have a character called tiger who's basically the strong silent type and these are the three characters are named they're all women basically i I looked back and i said okay what are some of the archetypes that you always see in a team Mm -hmm. and there's always the smart ass there's always the strong but silent type. There's always, like, the person who tells terrible jokes. <laughs> There's the tech guy. And when you look at an interrogation of sci-fi web series, you're going to see that. Only four out of six of them are girls. <laughs> <laughs> Our other disabled actor is Scott Rosendahl, and he plays Mikey, who's our tech expert. And then our newbie is Jake Lane Bassey, and he plays Darren, who all of the other interrogation members were basically at one point a part of the government. And so they're highly trained, you know, ex-government soldiers. Mm -hmm. Darren is sort of the newbie. He was born outside of the government system. His parents were basically refugees from the government, but he really wants to fight. So he sort of comes on as their mascot. (laughs) And they're basically teaching him, teaching him the ropes in the event that uh, something goes horribly wrong. And one of them dies, and they need to be replaced. And then rounding out the cast, as I believe that's all six, is Mallory K. Nelson. She plays Lana, who is our ballistics expert and has a giant crutch gun in place of one of her legs. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> Same Lana just reminded me. I think I read somewhere that you said Archer helped influence you a little bit. In, in oh, town. love Archer! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, I, and I love Archer because Archer is, I think, the quintessential male character. Because <laughs> he, he is. He's, he drinks too much. He loves sex. He loves cursing. He basically doesn't take his job any sort of serious, but he is the best at his job. And I think that's a role that men get to play all the time, perpetually. Mm-hmm. They always get to play that, that really fun Mm-hmm. fun role. and women get stuck playing lana who is also very good at her job but she's always kind of second best and her whole life is really dedicated to taking care of archer because <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't morning. be alive if it wasn't for her that's right and she gets no thanks Mm-mm. she never really ends up on top and just like you know it's just a character like every day her alarm goes off and she's like oh i gotta go and watch after this dick <laughs> like that <laughs> That's her whole life. And that's a role that women get stuck playing yeah. all the time. So Brayson is very much Archer. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And there's not a lot of Lanas running around. But. <laughs> there's a character named Lana. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I love it because it's just like, there's it's just so wrong. Like, I mean, it's just like the most politically incorrect, crude, and funny as hell. <laughs> you know? Like, they're not, they're not trying to avoid offending anyone. It's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of what we tried yeah. to do <laughs> to a certain extent, because that, that's the other thing. I like I like that irreverent dick piss, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that irreverent um, humor. I like I love Quentin Tarantino. I love his use of dialogue. So you we try to channel that, especially in our use of violence. Like, <laughs> yeah, violence is fun on screen. Yeah, so we embrace it as well. <laughs> And it's nice, you know, it's like, yes, we're women. And we're not going to, like, try to go, well, you know, she's a woman. You know? <laughs> oh, that guy's the one in the wheelchair. You know? It's like, hey, yeah. we are who we are. And we're not going to apologize for it. And you don't whisper about it. You just go about your life. <laughs> yeah, there's no, like, moment where someone's like, why is this team full of women? And we have to say, well, women are just as capable. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no like anytime you know? yeah like that's what we tried to do we tried to create a world where it just is like women just had like you know totalitarian government they want everybody working women are accepted into the military bam that's it <laughs> if you can be in the military you're in the military bam yeah <laughs> oftentimes we find that during filmmaking of course things don't go right no everything always goes according to plan while filming <laughs> Even I'll say, say I couldn't say it with a straight face. But, uh, <laughs> if, it, if it isn't, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> but sometimes they're, they're, they're funny, or at least they're funny later. Oh, there are? <laughs> they're, yeah, usually they're funny later. Um, is there any, uh, any... Are there any funny stories from set is mm -hmm. what we're getting at. Yeah, sure. Um, let me see. I told you about the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There are just so many moments that sort of blend together. And some of our disabled actors are extremely sensitive to heat. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're in California. And you're in LA. <laughs> of course, we're shooting in the summer. Of course, we're shooting in a warehouse. Oh. So, and of course, the air conditioning can't be on because we're recording sound. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> so there would be moments where um, you would just look over. And, you know, we're filming in one corner of the room. You know, several lights oh. making an oven. So you would just look over at some points, and there Mallory would be just spread out on the ground, flat on her back, just like absorbing the cool, like the coolness on the warehouse floor. And it would just be like, well, someone start fanning her. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you just take turns, just like, all right. Oh, we have, uh, we have a great PA who eventually moved up to assistant director who worked with us, who's a dear friend, and one of our actors didn't know his name. <laughs> he was showing up on set, working hard, not on screen, every shoot, wonderful, wonderful guy, and they just didn't know his name. <laughs> That's so Hollywood. So, it's so Hollywood, and they were very grateful. They loved being around him. They loved talking to him. Had no, no clue what to call him. So they just picked the name that looked to them most like this guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I called him his name, which is David. And everyone else, well, she, the person started calling him the name she thought he looked like, which is Peter. 
So it would just be like, Peter, come here. Peter, can you grab that for me? Hey, Peter. And it started causing some confusion because eventually I would be like, who are you talking to? <laughs> David? Oh, is he David? I thought he looked like a Peter. And then it didn't stop. So now, and now he's still friends with a lot of us. Like we still talk to him and everything. And it really is. You have to ask whether you're talking about David or Peter. He's just called Peter David. <laughs> His last initial is a P, oh. so he could very well be David Peter if he wanted. <laughs> but, so yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of great stories. There's a lot of sad stories. Um, oh, this isn't a sad story. Now that I've mentioned sad stories, <laughs> but there's a part in the wheelchair chase scene where basically the way they stop this crazy wheelchair is someone dives and rips out some wires. Well, we finally got the footage back. So think of what went into filming. Mm -hmm. We rented a warehouse. We got our actors. We got a warehouse. We uh, rented a wheelchair. We put fake wires and everything in the back of the wheelchair. We finally get into editing, and none of the shots we need to do the shot as written are there. (gasps) Oh, no. And it's not that they're not there, it's that they're not readable. Like, they're not reading. What we need this shot of the back of the wheelchair to do, what we need this person reaching for it to do, is just not happening. And so, me and my boyfriend, my partner, the director of episode six, and the DP of the whole series, uh, my boyfriend Patrick, he... He and I sat there and literally went through every shot and cobbled together like a sequence for how the wheelchair gets broken. (laughs) Just like it's basically someone gave you a bunch of stock footage and said, here, make this wheelchair break. Uh. Make someone stop it. And darn it, we cobbled it together and you can't tell. Now you will. Now you'll look look at it. it. Now you'll look for it. But I still think you can't tell that that's cobbled together shots. I would suggest that everyone, if you want to learn a lot about filmmaking, if you want to learn a lot about story and how sets work, go make a web series. Maybe just make a cheap one. (laughs) Necessity is the mother of all invention, for sure. Dang, Skippy. When you you watch the series, you're going to see panels on the walls. You're going to see the wheelchair, which which has this thing attached. You're going to see a big computer setup. Mm -hmm. Most of that stuff the things that you push buttons on, the things that are alarms and whatever, that's stuff that I I had to make. Mm -hmm. It was just born out of, hey, look, someone's throwing out their TV. Grab it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, you go through the alleyways in a city. I mean, you can... You can furnish a whole apartment for starters, and then you can just find anything. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, I think once... Once we found the mother load, someone like threw out three printers and it was like, grab them all. We grabbed it. We took them apart. We repurposed the panels. We like went, we went to like a basic hardware junk store and got, you know, phone panels, slapped them on with super glue and just it, the effect looks really good. I think Yeah, it looks like, you know, sort of the cobbled together. If you're, if you're a rebel and you have to make your own stuff, it sort of looks like that. We're going to make our own stuff aspect. Yeah. So you've given a lot of good advice uh, towards people who are either early web series creators or thinking about doing becoming a web series creator. Is there any other big tips you would give them? The biggest obstacle to having a web series right now, I think everyone would really say this, 
is visibility, getting mm -hmm. people to actually watch it. And there are things you can do to make it more watchable. You can make the video shorter. You can make them comedy series, all that. But if you aren't interested in comedy series, if you aren't interested in nerd culture and you just really like, you know, want to make a very lovely, sensitive um, analysis of a lesbian couple breaking up, <laughs> which is a web series, uh -huh. <laughs> but I can't remember the name right now. Um, don't, don't let that stop you. Do it. Just know that, again, this is web content and it's never really going to stop. So you're going to have to be your own publicist. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to solicit genre entertainment, snobby robot, bloggers, etc. You're going to have to bother them. Mm -hmm. Not bother, but you're going to have to have a press. We are so bothered right oh now. Oh, my God. We felt so <laughs> I know. pressured. Oh, my God. I finally wore you down. Yeah. We finally had a pencil you into the schedule. <laughs> See, it works. It works, everybody. But that's the thing. You're going to have to send them an email and not hear back for two weeks. And then send them another email and maybe hear back. And then not hear back for three weeks and send them another email. You're gonna have to be diligent. And you're gonna think, oh, I'm just bothering them, I'm just pestering them. Until someone tells you you're pestering them, you're not. Right. You just have to be diligent. It's just like if, and believe me, I'm not a natural publicist. I don't like doing it. It's very time consuming. It's very nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. It's very boring mm -hmm. to write the same email 15 billion times. Um, but it's just, it's the nature. If you don't want to do that, you don't want to make films. Like it's that easy because that is the nature of the landscape right now is you have to be your own advocate and you have to advocate super hard. And honestly, if you look at interrogation for as few views as we have, we don't have millions of views, but if you look, we have a lot of press. Mm -hmm. We are on like six or seven. We have like six or seven articles written about us. We're on Snobby Robot. We were featured in Paper Droids. We were featured on Sci-Fi Net. You know, our name is out there. What we do is out there. Mm -hmm. And if you want the same success, you can't just make a great product. You're going ha to have to put some legs on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the yeah. hardest part. In film school, they don't really teach you no. social media marketing or anything about marketing because they're trying to train you to be good at one thing only in the traditional machine of Hollywood. Of, yeah, film. But if you're going to do independent or anything, you just don't have that, that need option. some serious cross-training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do, but honestly, I never went to film school. Yeah. And I certainly never went to school for marketing. Yeah. And the good thing about it is you can just do it from your email. Yeah, you can learn on the job. You can learn on the job. You can make your own press kit, or you can give someone a hundred bucks, like I did, and have them make you mm -hmm. a fifteen-page press kit. Mm -hmm. And that thing, everything you need to know about us, you could write an incomplete article from it. You know, it's out there. Yep. Basically, be your own advocate. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, any other tips before we go? Um, watch interrogation, a sci-fi web series. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Where can they find you and the show? online you can find me i'm the only one with my name on facebook my name is britain valenti britain like the country valenti like an italian um <laughs> that actually works when you say it i can picture it now <laughs> you can uh you can find me on twitter at britain v that's me i'd love to talk star wars with anybody oh, okay. um 
you can and you can just Google interrogation sci-fi into Google interrogation of sci-fi web series or interrogation sci-fi into YouTube and find us and like us because we like you. And that's where you're primarily at is on YouTube, correct? Yeah, we're primarily on YouTube. Okay. okay. Now, are there any other projects you'd like to mention? <laughs> I'm working with some friends on creating a comedy noir. Uh, oh. So looking for that. We're actually going to be, uh, we really like the world of interrogation. That's one of the things we always get uh, commended on, mm -hmm. uh, is the world of interrogation. We're actually going to be having an ebook competition. So basically, we're going to give some prompts, and anyone who wants to can enter. Oh, cool. And um, it's basically, we're going to compile a series of short stories, sort of like an oral history of how the world came to be in interrogation. So people can like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook for more information on that. Because the way we're going to do it, we're, a, lot of, a lot of short story competitions just try to, oh, the winner's going to get 250 bucks after you pay a $25 submission fee, <laughs> which is bullcrap. <laughs> So it's going to be free to enter, and the 10 winners are going to split profits from the book. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, so you know that. Maybe I'll send select... something in. <laughs> <laughs> so please like us on Facebook, follow me on Twitter for more information about how you can submit to our ebook because we're going to get our website up and it's going to have all the information from that. And it should be a really fun writing exercise because I started as just writing short stories. And well, and really, it... the exposure as a writer is more valuable than than the money so <laughs> people say that <laughs> don't listen to this woman get paid for your art. well get paid but people do we people do love having people read what they actually wrote oh no absolutely and that's it is also really douchey when you're looking yeah and they're like you know, 10,000 people submitted, $50 per submission, and we paid the winner $500. Yeah, it's like, that, really. You're a con artist. Yeah. And everyone should be angry. <laughs> so. Yeah, there are definitely unscrupulous. Many, many unscrupulous. But we believe that if you're, because it's, it's the same thing with our web series. Nobody paid us. They worked for free, but no one had to shell out any of their own money. We oh, even tried God, to no. give people gas money whenever we could. Uh, we fed people because they were giving us their talent. They should not. It should at least not cost you anything. Yeah, I've I've as I've, I've done some acting, and there were a couple times I got annoyed. I had to go buy clothes, and I was just kind of like, "Really? Like you're not paying me?" And, right. and now I have to go buy clothes because I don't have anything in my wardrobe that would go at all yeah. you know, with this character, you know, because I get cast mm -hmm. for these characters that do not wear anything remotely like what I wear. <laughs> so, now you have a new wardrobe. I do. I have, I have like my, I have my, these aren't really me clothes, <laughs> but you never know. You might need them. <laughs> I have lies. I have lies in my closet now. Thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, I got cast as a, psychic gypsy fortune teller and i was told i had it was like i've got like 17 outfits you can choose from for that <laughs> yeah. it's got a gypsy look sometimes is what she's trying to say. <laughs> look <laughs> all right well it's been great speaking with you today i hope everybody checks out interrogation it's great to meet you guys thanks bye bye
My name is Chris Stone. I'm the creator of Blood and Bone China, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, thanks to Britain for the fun interview. If Interrogation sounds like a show you would like, be sure to check it out. And in the show notes, we'll have all of the links mentioned in the episode. Now we continue on towards episode 100. We're lining up more guests and hope to make episode 100 a little special. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now before we go, we want to remind you that you can keep track of us on our Genretainment Facebook page, Marx's Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marx, our website at genretainment.com, or all of the shows at scifipulseradio.com. So that's it for today's Genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Genretainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until, Until next, next time. time. Ben Monkey.